This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Time is of the essence tonight, so it's straight to our first show, Nick Carter, Master Detective. All right, Patsy, out you go. This is it. This is what, Nick? A studio of magnificent pictures of which Joseph Stone is the owner and director. Well, there goes another illusion. I thought movie studios were all bright lights and glamour. This place looks like a stage set for the deserted village. Well, it's been locked up for the past ten years or so. Oh. Well, that's funny. The gate's locked. And that's our cue to turn around and go home again. You've got a nice, tasty jewel robbery waiting for you to solve back in town, and you should be working on that. Instead of being way out here at the end of nowhere, playing around a forgotten movie studio. I guess I'll have to pick the lock. Okay, if you must. Patient Patsy will bear with your little game. This is no game, Patsy. Why, what do you mean? The house of Lulu Doré, the star of Stone's new picture, was broken into last night while she was at a dance. She was wearing her jewels, including the famous emeralds. Fortunately, though, nothing was stolen. There. There we are. All right, that's it. Go ahead. It's funny there isn't a gatekeeper around. It does, doesn't it? Well, I guess they haven't got a full staff for the studio, considering they moved back from Hollywood just to do this one show. Why did they do that, Nick? Oh, Doray had a run-of-the-pay contract for the show she's doing on Broadway and couldn't go west. Hey there, where do you think you're going? Oh, so there is a door... Uh, Gateman. I'm looking for Mr. Stone's office. Well, you can't see him. I'm afraid you don't understand. I'm Nicholas Carter. Mr. Stone's expecting me. I'm taking my orders from Lieutenant Riley of the Metropolitan Police. He says to admit no one. Riley? What's he doing here? Investigating a murder. Murder? I thought you said robbery, Nick. What murder? Come on, get out of here. I got my orders. Come on, Patsy. Let's find Riley or Joe Stone. Hey! You can't do that. Come back here. It's all right. I'll explain to the police. Hurry, Patsy. Hurry. What, what is this, Nick? Shall I plan to find out? Right now. And I take it this fellow Boyd who's been killed is a fairly unimportant chap, eh, Mr. Well, Stone? Well, yes, he, he was just a darn good electrician. Oh, doesn't seem to be any connection between his murder and the attempted robbery of Miss Doré. Well, no, there doesn't. Is Lieutenant Riley here now? Yes, yes, he's over on stage five. It's that building over there. Do you want me to come with you? Yes, I wish you would, Mr. Stone. There may be points I'd like to ask you about. I'd be glad to help, of course, if I can help. There's one thing I don't understand, Mr. Stone. You say Boyd was shot in the back with a poisoned arrow from a blowgun. It's an odd weapon. Should be fairly easy to trace. You don't have to trace it very far, Mr. Carter. The blowgun and the arrow were mine. Yours? Yes, you see, 11 years ago, I tried to do a picture about a voodoo witch doctor. We used the blowgun and it. I don't suppose you remember the picture, Mr. Carter. It was called the voodoo curse. Oh, yes, yes, I do. You had a bit of trouble over it, I believe. A bit of trouble? Practically drove me into bankruptcy. 
had imported a real voodoo witch doctor from Haiti, and he put a curse on the whole studio. Oh, come now, Stone. You don't really believe that. I don't know what I believe anymore. Eleven years ago, we had fires, we had explosions, we had mysterious steps, we, we had just about everything. Got so that everybody was scared to work here. I had to close the studio, and, and now we have a murder. Why should the witch doctor put a hex on you? Oh, I had an argue with him, though, with a salary of some sort. He, he swore he'd break me, and he almost did. Now, here, this is stage five here. Well, well, Nicholas Carter. Hi, Riley. <laughs> and Patsy. Hello. Well, what might you be doing here? He's come to help you, Lieutenant. Well, that's very obliging of him, I'm sure. Say, was that a crack? Why, of course not. Well, let's get to work. Riley, where was the body found? Right over there by that door, Nick, where the chalk marks are. Hmm. I wonder what he was doing way over here. He, he was setting up the stage, as I told you. But all his equipment's over there, clear across the set. Riley. How was he pacing when he died? He was lying on his face with his head towards that door, Nick. Shot in the back, wasn't he? Yep. We figured from the angle of the arrow that the blowgun fella must have been sitting up there on that catwalk when he killed him. Mr. Stone, what's behind that door that Boyd was heading for? Well, special electrical equipment, I believe, for special effects. Would Boyd have known that? Yes, of course. He worked on this stage years ago. He, he probably would have remembered. That's it, then. He was going into that room to see if he could find some special equipment he needed. That accounts for his being way over here. And you think there was something in there the killer didn't want him to see, Nick? Right, Riley. Let's go in. There's not, Nick. Oh, Stone, uh, give me your keys, will you? Keys? I, I I, have no keys for these rooms. Well, did Boyd have any? Well, I believe he had borrowed the caretaker set. Riley, did you search the corpse? Of course I did, Nick. No keys? No keys. I, I can get a locksmith out from the village. What? You have no duplicates? The place has been locked up so long, I, I never expected to come back here was trying to sell it, as a matter of fact. Take the lock, Nick. This seems to be your day for doing that. Just what I'm going to do, Patsy. I'll, I'll get you more light. Oh, he doesn't need light. He can see in the dark, practically. Now you don't have to see to pick a lock. There. There. And there. That's it. Now we'll get a look at what your killer didn't want Boyd to see. Here, here's the light switch. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Mm. Don't crowd in like that. Uh-huh. Look. Footprints. Footprints in the dust. Golly, Nick, there goes your theory. Boyd was here before he was killed and took out whatever it was he wanted. Well, it was a cute theory while it lasted. Maybe it's still a cute theory, as you call it. Uh, all we have to do now, Nick, is to measure the prints and see if they're Boyd's or not. They're not. How do you know? Yeah, you haven't even seen the body. These prints were made by leather-soled shoes, right, Riley? Well, yeah, you're right, but... And Boyd was wearing rubber soles. How do you know he was, Nick? Correct me if I'm wrong, Stone. Don't all technicians on the soundstage wear rubber-soled shoes to kill any noise that the soundtracks might pick up? Well, you're right, Carter, they do. Now, those leather-soled prints mean that it wasn't Boyd, but our friend the murderer who used the keys he took from Boyd to get in here. You lead to that crate. Let's see what's in it. No, don't walk on the footprints. We need them as evidence. I'll wager you'll find the crate empty. The murderer didn't just walk over to it, look in, and walk out again. Oh, no. He took away everything he didn't want Boyd or anyone else to find. You're right, Nick. The crate is empty. Uh, shall we search the room, Nick? What's the point in that? If there was anything here, it's gone by now. Murderer seen to that. I wonder what was in this crate. I wonder if... Help! Help! No! Oh, Nick, the poor kid. What is it, Carter? Another murder. Another? Good Lord. Can you identify him, Stone? Why, it, it's Bill Daly, our camera punk. Camera punk? What's that? Oh, it's studio slang for assistant to the camera. Uh, oh. 
You, you people, I'll run too fast for me. Hey, what's up here? Keep for yourself, Riley. Well, good gosh, another murder. And it looks from his position as if he was just coming out of that door over there. Well, that's funny. Both he and Boyd... Any idea what he was doing around here, Stone? Uh, yes, I... I sent him over here myself about an hour ago to look in that warehouse, see if there was any of that old photographic equipment we could remodel and use. Priorities, you know. Daly was very clever at that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a mean-looking knife he's got sticking in his throat, Nick. Knife? Good Lord. What is it, Mr. Stone? That, that knife is from that same voodoo picture. There seem oh. to be a few too many of those old props hanging around. Are there any more? Yes, there's a complete stock of weapons. Everything we used in that confounded picture. The voodoo curse? Yes. I rather think I'd like to see that film, Stone. Is there a copy of it around here any place? Well, as much as we ever shot of it, it was never finished, you know. Could you run it off for me? Well, certainly I will. I'll go arrange it now. Thanks. Well, Nick, what do you think? I'm not sure. Any opinions yourself? Yes. My money's on Stone's doing it. Stone. Why in the world would he do it? Well, I don't know. I haven't figured out the reason for it yet. But he acts kind of funny. Nervous, sort of. And he keeps talking about the place maybe being haunted. Oh, good heavens, Riley. Who wouldn't be nervous with all this murder going around? I know I am. Well, take the weapons, Nick. They all belong to him. But other people could have access to them, Riley. After all, Stone hasn't been here for over ten years. Mm -hmm. And there's something more important you've overlooked, Riley. Mm -hmm. What's that, Nick? How did Stone manage to throw that knife at Daly while he was with us? How do I know? We were all so busy looking at that star room on the set, he, he could have sneaked up. By golly, I'll bet that's how he did do it. Oh, that's Stone beckoning to us. You want to go to see the movies, Riley? I got better things to do, Nick. I'm going to search this joint. How about you, Patsy? Sure thing. Why do you want to see it? I'm not sure, Patsy. But I've got sort of a hunch that the answer to all our questions lie hidden in that old picture. <laughs> Did all movie projectors make this racket ten years ago? Most of them, Patsy. Mm. Now listen. You don't believe in our voodoo magic, eh? Well, if you've been here long enough to see some of the things I've seen. Really, Ross, there's something uncanny about these natives. Call it coincidence if you like. Who's the woman? Gosh, she's good looking. That's Lula Dore, the star of the picture stone shooting here now. Well, their voices sound funny and teeny. Yeah, they certainly do. It's enough to scoff when you've just come down from the States. But it is magic. There's no other way to explain some of the things that happened. Magic, mumbo-jumbo, you mean. You'll never convince me it's anything else. I suppose this is another of those wild goddesses. Now, there's a really good voice. Who is he, Nick? Now, don't tell me you don't remember him, Patsy. The name was Bart Tyson, great leading man, ten years back. Oh, I remember his name, of course. This is rather better than most of the dances I've seen. Patsy, I've heard that voice very recently. must be almost over now, Nick. Have you discovered anything? I'm not sure yet. Gosh, they had some pretty fancy photography in those days. I, I thought all that underwater swimming stuff was comparatively new. Oh, no. Stone was the first person to use it. Well, how did they do it? Look at that man swimming. It couldn't be faked. It isn't. It was taken through some sort of a glass tank. That native has been underwater for 20 minutes. No human can hold his breath that long. That's what I've been telling you, Ross. They're magic, these natives. Magic. 
Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. That voice. I've heard it somewhere before myself. I never heard Tyson act before. Hey, don't we see the ending? Nope. So they made Patsy. The picture wasn't finished. Well, did you find out what you wanted to? I'm not quite sure. Well, Mr. Carter, did you like the picture? Oh, a very interesting stone. Oh, that Lula Dory certainly is beautiful, isn't she, Mr. Stone? I've never seen her in pictures before. Has she done anything else? No, nothing. Until now that she's starring in my new show on Broadway. That's funny. I think with her looks and her voice, she'd be a sensation. Mm, that's what I've always claimed, but, well, she got scared off after all these things happened during the filming of this one, and, well, she's stuck to Broadway ever since. And when Tyson, her leading man, was hurt, she rather felt... Oh, about... I was wondering what happened to Tyson. From what I could gather from this show, he should have been a natural for talkies. Oh, he was. But we had a bad explosion, and his whole face was terribly scarred. That's why we could never finish this picture. He never could act in pictures again. Oh, what a shame. Well, Stone, thanks for showing us the film. Mind if we scout around after Riley? Oh, no, not at all. I, if you need me, I'll be on stage three. We're going to start shooting soon. Good. It's funny about Dore. She seems to be cropping up in our lives all over the place. Yes, she does, doesn't she? Patsy, did you find a telephone get hold of Scubby? Mm-hmm. Find out what you can about Bart Tyson and what's happened to him since the accident. Okay, Nick, where you be? If I don't see you before, I'll meet you at Stone's office at noon. Right. Oh, Nick! Nick Carter! Oh, Riley, just looking for you. You found anything yet? Yeah, we found all the weapons from that voodoo movie. All except the ones we'd already found, that is. How'd you know you found them all? Stone had an inventory. We checked on it. Well, if your theory about Stone's correct, Riley, he could have falsified that inventory. Why should he? Well, perhaps he had a couple of weapons hidden somewhere and doesn't want us to know anything about them. Nick, the the, the more I think about it, the less I like that guy. (laughs) Find anything else? No, no, not, not a blessed thing. Search the whole lot, have you? All but stage nine over there. That's locked up tighter than a drum. I can't pick locks the way the great Carter does. Okay, I'll take care of those. Uh, Riley, why don't you go on down to stage three? They're going to start shooting the picture pretty soon, and I'd feel a lot more comfortable if someone were on guard there. We've had enough murders for one day. <laughs> you think this is a gag, having us get all dressed up like merry villagers or something. It's not a gag, Patsy. It's insurance. What do you mean? Just what I said. When we're dressed up in our regular clothes, everybody in the lot knows who we are. But anyone seeing us dressed up like this will think we're actors and never look at us twice. I never thought I'd live to see the day when people wouldn't stare at Nick Carter, master detective, all dressed up in knee pants. Quiet. Did you check with Scubby? Yep. But just as Stone said, Tyson was hurt in that explosion and then just sort of vanished. Hasn't been heard of since. Hmm. That takes care of that. Well, here's stage nine. The only place that hasn't been searched either by Riley or me. What do you expect to find? I don't know. It's funny, this door isn't locked. Everything else in the lot has been. Yes. Riley distinctly said it was locked when he tried it. Well, keep your eyes open. There may be a reason for it being open now. Golly, it's dark inside here. Here. Take this flashlight. Okay. I've got another. Hey, Nick, look. There's an old makeup table. I wonder what kind of makeup they used in those days. Patsy, we haven't time to stop for you to look at makeup. Look here. Why, this makeup isn't old at all. What's that? No, this is the very latest type of movie makeup, and it's all new stuff. Well, good for you, Patsy. Yes, there's something funny about this. Definitely, Nick. But this panchromatic makeup wasn't developed until Technicolor came in. They didn't use this type of makeup back in the days when this studio was in use. 
Somebody must have been here since. And none of the actors are making up way over here. Right, Patsy. I'll make a detective out of you yet. Now let's see if we can find anything else. Oh, I'm getting creeps, Nick. I don't like it here. Patsy, I think we're getting warm. This is one of the first real clues we... Hey. Hmm? Recognize that? Wait. Well, that must be the glass tank they used to take that swimming sequence in the voodoo movie. Right you are. I wonder why they left it half full of water this way. When they finished taking that scene, they probably just walked off and left it here. Maybe. Don't forget they closed this place in a hurry. What are you doing? Patsy, this water is fresh. What? Maybe stale if it's been here ten years. Stale and smelly. Hey, I'm beginning to think maybe Stone's right and there is a hex on this place. Too bad that voodoo picture wasn't in Technicolor. Those colored stones at the bottom of the tank would have showed up beautifully. They are beautiful, aren't they? Yes, you bet. Hey, Patsy. What? Look here. Those aren't just colored stones. They're... Douse your lights, Patsy, quick. We've got callers. Tuck back here behind this crate. Why the boss always swipes such important rocks? Why didn't he settle for just a small fry? And the men were big after. time, that's why. He's got enough dough to pay all the bills until that stuff cools off. And when it's safe to handle, he'll smuggle it out of the country and sell it for plenty. What's he leave it lying around here for? Hidden in the old equipment. Well, now we know why boy never was thought anybody ever come back here. Gosh, when that punk went into that storehouse, I bet he saw the works. Uh, he did. The boss spotted him going in and just had time enough to get that knife and come back and nail him. And the kid was dashing back the stone to spill the beans. Gee, the boss is sure lucky. He ain't lucky. He's smart. He had Lippy planted up on that catwalk just in case somebody got an idea to go into that electrician's storeroom. And somebody did. Just that here. takes brains to know that. Well, we better get going, huh, Jake? Yeah, you start renting the tank so we can get the rocks. I'll get the makeup stuff. Why is he moving everything out now? He figures it'll cooled off by now, and with the stuff he's going to lift from that Doré game this afternoon... I think I'm going to sleep. Hold it, Patsy. <laughs> oh, who's that? Hey, look. Over there, Jake. Two guys. Only come here. Run for it, Patsy. Run, run where? Let go of me, you... Let her go, you lousy rat. Get away. Guess that'll hold him. Gosh, it took three of us to knock him cold. He a fighter or something? Hey, as I know him, it's Nick Carter, the dick. Nick Carter? Hey, and a good-looking doll. Well, it's a good thing you called me in time. Now, what are we going to do with them now that we got them, huh? We can't just leave them lying around. Somebody's bound to notice them. Hey, the fish tank. Yeah, that's right. We'll throw them in there. Then when they're good and drowned, we'll drain the tank and get them and the other stuff out at the same time. Good idea, Lippy. Okay. Yeah, Pete, you lift the lid. You shut the girl in, Lippy. All right. Jake and I will dump that Carter guy in. It'll be a real pleasure to do something like this to a copper. Yeah. Come on. Ready? Go ahead. Put Carter in first. Okay. Here he goes. Happy swimming, Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Now dump the dame in, Jake. In you go, lady. <laughs> ah, that's okay. Uh, hey, listen, guys. Suppose they get out. We'll see that they don't get out. Stokey, huh? Put the lid down on the tank. Okay, Jake. And I'll put this padlock on, and they're safe as if they was in jail. 
That's good work. Hey, hey, look, boys, they're coming too. So what? Who cares now? Yeah, who cares? Flippy. Huh? Turn on the water. Okay. Here she comes, Jake. Two baby spots set up there, will you? Is this what you want? Oh, that's better. Now, uh, open number two a little more. Okay. All right, this is the take. Ready? Ready. Lights. Camera. Right. Action, Miss Dory. It was when I first opened your letter that I knew at last. As I opened the... No, 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 Lula, darling. Mean what you say. Remember, your lover has returned. Now, this is your big moment. Now, relax. Take it easy. Now, now, come on, once more. Right, action? Come on. It was when I first opened your letter that I knew at last. As I opened the envelope, even before I read the words that you'd written there, I realized that what I'd hoped for so long had at last... Oh! Hey, what's the matter with those lights? Why aren't they... Turn on those lights. I'm in charge here. There'll be no confusion. Quiet, everybody. Quiet. The masked man. Who are you to tell me under Shut the on the this is a holdup. A holdup. Oh, oh, look here, you. You can't pull a holdup. Quiet, I said. Quiet if you don't want a bullet hit you. Quiet, quiet, quiet. The man's mad. That's better. Now, nobody will get hurt if you just keep quiet and do as you're told. Turn on that spotlight. Okay, boss. That's it. Now, all of you, line up against the wall there. What, what mean? Come on, get moving. I don't want to shoot, but I will if you make me. And shut up. Uh, you can't tell me to shut that up. That order includes you, you too, Riley. Now, don't forget that although you can't see me with this spotlight shining in your eyes, I can see you very clearly. Now, each one of you in turn will step forward and put your valuables on that table and center stage. And don't try to hold out on me or it'll be bad for you. All right. We'll start with a star performer, Miss Lulu Doré. Please, Miss Doré, if you think I can't see you trying to hide behind the drapes over there, you're wrong. You're in this, too. Your jewels, please. No. No, not my emeralds. Surely you won't... Surely I will. It's those emeralds I'm particularly interested in. You don't think I care for the little wristwatches and pocketbooks I'm going to get from the rest of these people, do you? But you can't mean to take my emeralds. One more word out of you and I'll come after them myself. And if I do it... Stand where you are, Tyson. I've got you covered. Nick Carter! Nick! Freeze, B! Is that you? Come and get me, Carter. Watch him, Ali, if you can. Turn the lights on, Patsy. Right, Nick. Here they are. There he goes, Nick! I missed him, darn it. Did you see where he went, Nick? There he goes, Mr. Carter, climbing up the... Climbing up the catwalk. Tyson, come down from there or I'll shoot. You haven't got a gun, Nick Carter. Yours is too wet to shoot after your little swim. But I've got my gun... Here. You missed me, Tyson, but I won't miss you. You may not know it, but my guns are absolutely waterproof. Oh, nice work, Carter. You shot the gun right out of his hand. And now your gun's gone, Tyson. Come on down. Yeah, come up here and get me. You haven't caught me yet. So long. Look at him run. He should make a misstep or lose his balance up there. He'd fall off and get a... Tyson! Tyson, stop! Stop! Look out! You don't slip there! Nick! He lost his balance! Watch out, Tyson!
You say you want us to drop you at headquarters, Riley? If you will, Nick. Okay. You men get the rest of Tyson's gang, all right? He did. They're coming right behind us. Was Tyson badly hurt from his fall? Oh, no, not much. Just a broken ankle. He'll be all right. <laughs> all right, that is, until he gets to the electric chair. Oh, Nick, when I think of how close we came to drowning, I'm scared all over again. Hey, how did you say you got out of that tank, Nick? Believe it or not, Lieutenant, he cut a piece of that heavy glass with a diamond in his ring. Uh, what do you know? But, but look, if it was as easy as all that, well, what took you so long doing it, Nick? I had to wait until the thugs got out of the room. Then I just cut a nice little circle out of the glass, right beside where the padlock was, reached out, and picked the lock. All very simple. Uh, simple for you, maybe. Not for me. And you say you found the jewels Tyson had stolen in the bottom of the tank, eh? Yes, Riley. What Patsy and I thought were pretty colored stones turned out to be all the jewels Tyson had stolen during the last ten years, all unmounted and dumped in with the pebbles in the tank. But what made you first suspect Tyson, Nick? Well, Patsy, it was his voice first. Remember I told you after we saw him in the movie that I knew I'd heard his voice somewhere very recently? Oh, so that's why that voice sounded so familiar. Can you imagine that? A movie star turned crook. Then there was the fact that Tyson had faded so completely out of sight after his accident. That looked fishy to me. No great star would have let his career be ruined without bringing a suit of some kind. Unless he had some plans of his own. And from what I learned from Scubby, we realized he never had brought suit. Yes, and a suit like that would have made all the tabloids. But how did you know Tyson and the Watchman were the same? I didn't, Patsy. Until you found that makeup kit. That panchromatic makeup is often used to cover scars. And then I remembered the scarred Gateman. It fitted. So did his voice, and the fact that he had the only remaining set of keys to the lot. And, of course, he had all the opportunity in the world. But I bet you didn't realize that the murders were tied up with the robberies. Not until we heard those crooks talking, I mean. Well, the makeup kit told me that, too. Remember, Patsy, how you always claimed that all those robberies were done by individuals, not a gang? Yes, but I still don't see Well, that. Tyson was a consummate actor, and he had complete knowledge of makeup. He disguised himself as a different character, I imagine, for each robbery. Evidently, he played his role expertly, since he succeeded in giving the impression that different people were committing the various thefts. But say, if that makeup was so good, well, why couldn't he have gone back to the movies instead of turning thief? Well, Riley, it was good enough for dim lights, but not for the sharp eyes of the camera. Oh, I see. Poor fellow. What an end for a great star. Yes. The explosion probably injured his mind, too. Well, one more thing, Nick. How did he get to be caretaker? Oh, I asked Stone that. He said he felt sorry for the man and had given him the job out of kindness. Oh. Well, that's all over now. Except that from now on I'm allergic to water anywhere, except in drinking glasses. This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, Master Detective, called The Glass Coffin or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Voodoo Curse. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly at the same time by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick, will you tell us something about your story for next week? Well, next week we leave this part of the country and are going out west to the mining districts of Montana. Did you go too, Patsy? Yes, I went along. But Nick and Scubby did most of the work and had most of the excitement. I just stayed in the hotel and waited. Yes, that was the first case that Scubby and I really worked out together. And before they were through with it, Scubby very nearly went crazy, literally. And Nick just missed being buried alive. You see, it started out to be a case of robbery. 
But it ended up with at least two murders and more excitement than I've had in a long time. Well, I hope it's as good as it sounds. It's better. But more of that next week. So long. So long, folks. We'll be seeing you. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. In The Strange Adventure You've Just Heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Nancy and Jean Webb. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor. Next week at this same time, another curious experience of Nick Carter entitled The Flying Duck Murders or Nick Carter and the Mysterious Gold Thieves. This story is a copyrighted feature of Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. The Return of Nick Carter is produced in the studios of WOR and is broadcast over most of these stations every Monday evening at 9.30 Eastern Wartime. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, hear the story of the first time Jane met my friend Irma. The Columbia Broadcasting System presents a new comedy. My Friend Irma. Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane with John Brown as Al. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship When other friendships have been forgotten Theirs will still be hot, love, love, Sure, it's something to sing about and they can sing about it maybe because they haven't any friends But I'm singing the blues about it because I've got a friend My friend Irma Now don't get me wrong, I love that girl, most people do It's just that Mother Nature gave some girls... Brains, intelligence, cleverness. But with Irma, well, Mother Nature slipped her a Mickey. I will never forget the first time I met her. I was walking along looking for a place to live in New York, and by a strange coincidence, I am having a very tough time. And I keep bumping into people, and I keep saying, I beg your pardon... Excuse me. Excuse me until... Oh, oh! excuse me. I just never look where I'm going. I just keep walking with my head high. Just like the doctor told me in taking deep, deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling like this. And I keep counting to myself. One, two, three... Look, miss, will you stop counting long enough to help me up? Oh, of course. You must be uncomfortable on your knees. Oh! Oh, no, not at all, honey. I'd love it down here if I was Al Jolson. (laughs) Did you see that picture, the Jolson story? I just loved it. I cried and cried. Fine, fine. Now, would you please help me up? Oh, certainly. Here, give me your hand. Oh, my, what a beautiful ring. You know, my my boyfriend, Al, he was going to get me one just like that. We had it all picked out. Only you know what happened? It wouldn't fit your nose. (laughs) Well, it wasn't for my nose. It was for my finger. It wouldn't fit my nose. I wish it had. I could have pulled myself up. (laughs) Oh, oh, you want to get up, don't you? Yes, if you please. I can't make much time crawling. 
I can't either. I always walk. Well, uh, here we go. <laughs> Up to the daisy. Oh, careful, you're dressed. Oh, <laughs> we ripped it, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, but you know something? They're wearing split skirts in New York this year. <laughs> yeah, I know, but not all the way up to the neck. <laughs> hey, uh, we haven't been introduced yet. My name's Irma. What's yours? Goodbye. Oh, what an unusual name. What's your last name? Forever. That's a pretty name, Miss. Goodbye forever. Oh, Irma. That's when I should have run, but I didn't. Apartments are too hard to find these days, and Irma, bless her heart, is really a sweet kid. So I moved in with her in that one-room furnished freight elevator she called home. Jane, the telephone's ringing. Jane, the telephone's ringing. Aren't you going to answer it? I don't know if it's for me. (laughs) Well, take a chance. Take a chance. It's not your nickel. Hello? I mean, hello? Uh, Yes, she's here. Jane, it's for me. Irma? (laughs) You know, if Marconi knew that you were going to use the telephone, he never would have invented it. Oh, Jane, I'm surprised at you. (laughs) Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, not Marconi. You see, I'm beginning to think like you. Everybody knows that Marconi invented spaghetti. Irma, the telephone. Oh, hello? Al? Jane, it's Al. What are you waiting for? Run down to the police station with the bail. Oh, don't be silly. He's not in jail. Hello, Al? Eh? I? Oh, you? That's enough for the vowels, Irma. Now try the consonants. Okay, Al. Goodbye. Jane, Al's coming over. Oh, honey. Why do you have to spoil our Sunday by having that jobless, phony windbag of an Al over? Jane? Yes? What's your opinion of Al? I think he's a live wire, and it's just a matter of time before they hook him up and put a chair under him. I wish you wouldn't pick on Al, because someday I hope to be Mrs. Al. Oh, sweetie. Oh, sweetie, look, I didn't mean it. Now, stop sniffling. You'll ruin your pretty face with your mascara. Come on. But I love Al. Yeah, I know you do, Irma. That's the reason I'm hard on him. I want to be sure that the guy who gets my little Irma's heart's got a big enough heart to match it. Gee, thanks, Jane. <laughs> Gee, wouldn't it be wonderful if I married Al and you could, and we could have a double wedding? A double wedding? How do you figure that? It would be if you married Richard Rhinelander III. That was my blood pressure rising. She would mention his name... You see, Richard Rhinelander III is my boss, and I'm his private secretary. I'm in love with him, but I have no chance to marry him because he's Richard Rhinelander III, and I'm Jane Stacy I. Oh, I tried everything to impress him. I even told him I lived in a very intellectual atmosphere and that my roommate is a promising young novelist. Oh, Stacy, you fool, you. 
If he ever finds out how you live and what a mental midget Irma really is, you must end up <laughs> right between the eight, nine, and ten ball. Gee, I'd love to marry him. Irma, wouldn't it be wonderful if I wound up being Mrs. Richard Rhinelander III? The third? What good is that if he has two other wives? <laughs> You know, I won't even stop to answer that one. Gee, I, I couldn't marry a wealthy man and have to go to the opera. I don't know a thing about Shakespeare. <laughs> Honey, with five million dollars, all you've got to know about Shakespeare is that he's dead and you're alive. <laughs> well, let's forget Mr. Rhinelander. I'll never marry him because there's a difference in family. His ancestors were Mayflower people. Gee, they made all that money out of donuts? <laughs> If you say another word to me, I'll scream. Well, if you do, you'll wake up Professor Kropotkin, the violinist downstairs, and he needs sleep. Irma, I'm going to take a bath. Well, Jane, don't use all the hot water. Uh, this is the day we wash the dishes. <laughs> Hello? Uh, who did you want to talk to? Jane? Who's this? Oh, Mr. Richard Rhinelander. Uh, well, Jane's busy. Do you want to hang on for about 20 minutes? <laughs> yes, this is Irma, her roommate. How's my book? Oh, I finished it and I'm starting another. <laughs> Hard on me. No, you know those giant comics are mostly pictures. <laughs> oh, I'd like to meet you too, Mr. Rhinelander. Say, I've got an idea. Why don't you dash over for dinner tonight? Huh? Oh, it's no bother. Oh, we'd love to have you. And, uh, by the way, if it's not inconvenient, I uh, ask your mother to bake us some donuts. Oh, <laughs> uh, remember, see you at 7.30 and don't bother to dress. It's strictly au gratin. <laughs> now, who could that be? Uh, come in. Hiya, chicken. How are you? Hello, Al, honey. Gee, I'm glad you came over. I didn't think I could make it. Took time off from three deals that were just simmering. Dying to burst into flame. Stuff like stucco bathtubs. Scratch while you bathe. <laughs> Tremendous projects. Oh, Al, you're always talking business. You gotta be on my toes, honey, if you and I ever expect to settle down in that cozy little 30-room cottage. Oh, gee, Al, I'd just love to hear you talk like that. Come over here a minute, honey, and look in my eyes. What do you see? Murie. Holly <laughs> is another great moneymaker. Wish I'd thought of that. Al, I know how ambitious you are, but can't you forget business and be a little more romantic? Well, I'd love to, kid, but in order to give you the good things in life, I gotta start thinking about this big deal I got brewing. Oh, gee, Al, if your deal comes through, maybe you and I could settle down on a little ranch. I can see it now, the egg and Irma. <laughs> Hiya, Janie, what's oh. the good word? Jane, Al's got a big deal on it. And what a deal. I just happened to line up no less than $100,000 worth of surplus army goods. Gee, Al, what kind of surplus are you going to sell? Rip cords. <laughs> Rip cords? This is a big deal. I got a pajama manufacturer lined up to take the whole lot of it. <laughs> I even got an advertising gimmick with these rip cords. Listen to this. You get up in the morning and bail out of your pajamas. <laughs> you like it, Jane? I don't know how I ever lived this long without it. And, and that ain't all. This is a big promotion. 
You take a two-page ad in life showing a picture of a beautiful girl ready to retire. And underneath the caption... Hit the silk. <laughs> yeah. How'd you know? It figures. I think it's wonderful. Uh, what do you think, Jane? You know the whole thing has tired me out? I'm going back and take another shower. <laughs> you see, chicken, I'm a beaten man. Jane doesn't believe in me. Well, that's not true. Jane likes you, Al. She always takes two showers on Sunday. I see. One for herself and one for those dirty looks she gives me. <laughs> and besides, Al, once you get to know Jane, you'll realize that her bark is worse than her tree. <laughs> you know, honey, I wouldn't say this to anybody else. But things are going so badly for me lately that I may be forced to do something desperate. Al, you're going to get a job? Irma, watch your language. <laughs> I'm sorry, Al. I only... A job? Thought... Irma, supposing a man like me would consent to go to work, say, for a bank, at a small start and salary of $500 a week. Naturally, somebody like me moves fast. At the end of a year, I'm making 1000 a week as a second vice president. In two years, I'm making 2000 a week as a first vice president. In ten years' time, I'm president of the bank and I got $100,000. Where do I go from there? <laughs> I'm in a rut. But, Al... Well, Irma, I'm in a rut now, and it didn't take me ten years to get there. So you see how foolish it would be for me to get a job. You understand, kid? It's clear to me, Al. It is? <laughs> well, I'm glad. You're a great girl, and you deserve the best. But I don't want the best. I want you, Al. <laughs> you know, the brakes have always been against me. It'd be different if I wasn't a practical man, but my deals are so sound. It's all a question of the breaks. Gee, Al, I wish there was something I could do to help you. Thanks, chicken. But a guy like me with my ideas has got to mix with the right people. If I could only meet a man who's a millionaire. Well, Al, suppose you met a millionaire who's got money besides. Irma, <laughs> oh, what do you mean? Well, Al, I'm throwing a dinner party tonight. Dinner party? Uh-huh. Yes, I've invited James Boss over. You know, the millionaire Richard Rhinelander III? Richard Rhinelander III? Yeah, she's crazy about him, and I thought an intimate gathering would bring them together socially, and financially it would bring the two of you together. So why don't you just surprise us and drop over casually after dinner and bring your ideas? The millionaire Richard Rhinelander III. You know, Irma, if a guy like me with my ideas could meet a millionaire like James Boss, it'd be a natural combination. Oh, wonderful, Al. It'll be perfect. I can kill you and Jane with one stone. <laughs> but uh, won't Jane mind my coming? No, it's a surprise party. She doesn't even know Richard Rylander's coming. <laughs> Thanks, baby. You're a genius. I'll be there. Oh, before you go, Al, uh, haven't you forgotten something? Huh? Oh, yeah. What time does Rylander get here? <laughs> Oh. Just leave her now. So long, ladies. See you later. Uh, honey, be careful going home. There's a crime wave on. Yeah, Al. Keep your hat turned down. You don't want to get picked up. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, You fracture me. So long, chicken. See you later. We're having a dinner party? Yes. I've invited your boss, Richard Rhinelander, to dinner tonight. You invited my boss to dinner tonight? Here? Irma, how could you? It was simple. He called up and asked to talk to you, and you were busy, so I invited him. Oh, no. This is all a dream. And after dinner, Al's going to drop over, and if Professor Kropotkin comes up, it'll be a wonderful party. Oh, no. This is a nightmare. Give me that phone. Maybe it's not too late to stop him. Oh, dear. 
Hello. Hello, is Mr. Rhinelander there? He's not? Well, could you please tell me where he went? He left to go to a dinner party at a Miss Jane Stacy's. Thank you. Jane, Jane, what are you doing? Nothing. Just writing a suicide note. And now the sportsman with Alette Luskin and his orchestra and their own special arrangement of... Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. Good night, ladies. We're gonna leave you now. Merrily we roll along, roll along, roll along. Merrily we roll along o'er the deep blue sea. O'er the deep blue sea. because I told him that I lived in an artistic neighborhood and that my roommate was a budding novelist. How could I justify having him sit around with that, that scintillating duo of conversationalists Irma and Al? Mr. Rhinelander is expecting an evening based on table talk a la information, please. What he's going to get is people are funny or it pays to be ignorant. <laughs> well, finally, 7.30 rolled around. The bottle of martinis was catching a chill in the icebox and I was running a fever in the living room. Richard would be arriving at any minute, and Irma wasn't ready. Irma, sweetie, it's 7.30. Uh, I know, Jane. I'm just getting into my dress. How do you like it? Don't you think you ought to get a little further into it? <laughs> Al likes his dress. Al would, but Mr. Rhinelander wouldn't. Now, come on, huh? You've got just time to waltz this broom around a few times. Okay. Irma, huh? No, no, don't sweep the dirt under the rug. Man downstairs has been complaining. Complaining? Yeah, you know, that hole in the floor. Jane, I have a oh. wonderful idea. Why don't we take the rug off, and then with a hole in the ceiling, we'll have cross ventilation. Oh. <laughs> Irma, I'm so nervous. Well, don't worry. I'll handle everything. Uh, haven't you confidence in me? Well, certainly I have. Well, then why are you shaking? I always shake like this before I have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> now, now, Irma, let, let's not be nervous, huh? Let's, let's just take it easy. Uh, now, let's see. First, we, uh, we serve the martinis, and then... Uh... I, don't, I don't have to drink a martini, do I, Jane? What's that got to do with it? I'd rather have milk. <laughs> well, how can you drink milk when we're drinking martinis? Oh, I know. I'll drink milk, but I'll put an olive in it. <laughs> oh, Irma. He's here. 
Oh, he's here. Now, now listen to me, Irma. I, I'm not worried. I, I'm not worried. I've, I've got confidence in you, and I know you'll do everything right, because if you don't, I think I'll kill myself and then you. Now, you ready? Okay. Irma, put the broom away. Come in. I beg your pardon, but does Jane Stacy let... Oh, of course. Good evening, Jane. I didn't recognize you for a moment. That's because you didn't take the curlers out of her hair. <laughs> oh, how silly of me. Uh, come in. Come in, Mr. Rhinelander. May I present my roommate, Irma? How do you do? Hello. Irma, would you mind taking Mr. Rhinelander's hat? I can't. Why not? His head is still in it. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Here it is. Irma... Now that you have Mr. Rhinelander's hat, would you mind taking the broom away from him? Oh. Irma. Now that you have the broom, would you mind taking Mr. Rhinelander's hat away from him? Oh. Won't you sit down, Mr. Rhinelander? Oh, thank you, Jane, but you don't have to be so formal. My friends always call me Richard. Thank you. Cigarette, Richard? Thank you. Match, Richard? Thank you. Ashtray, Richard? Thank you. Cigarette, Irma? Thank you. Match, Irma? Thank you. Ashtray, Irma? No, thank you. I don't smoke. Ah, <laughs> uh, you writers, you're all alike. Witty and eccentric. Yes, I knew you'd like Irma's wit. It's so, uh, so natural. <laughs> yes, so I noticed. My, what a charming apartment you have here. When will the remodeling be finished? Remodeling? <laughs> remodeling, this is it. Yes. Yes, it's small. It's small, but our neighbors are so interesting. Uh, artists, writers, uh, musicians, you know. For instance, there's a very famous violinist who lives downstairs. He's uh, Professor Kropotkin. Kropotkin? Kropotkin? Yeah, he plays in the Paradise Burlesque. <laughs> uh, have you ever been there? Well, I don't think so. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, you wouldn't have seen him anyway because he plays a violin under the runway. <laughs> yes, uh, a lot of our neighbors are eccentric, but they're all artistic. Oh, I know what you mean. A charming environment. Yes. You know, it's hot in here. I think I'll open the window. Hey, Mrs. Shanigan! Did you hear the news about Johnny all cool downstairs? Last night he come home, roaring drunk, and standing up the stairs. Shall we go in to dinner? If I live to be the oldest woman in the United States and Canada, I'll never forget that dinner. It started off with Irma taking from the right and serving from the left. She also did a little dropping in the middle. <laughs> And Mr. Rhinelander looked very fetching wearing a hamburger over his right eye. <laughs> then we got to the dessert. And it seems that Irma had put the dessert in the wrong tray in the icebox. It was the first time I'd ever tasted cauliflower sherbet. <laughs> so much for the food. The conversation was a monster in its own right. Richard said, uh, Fortunately, I've been able to travel considerably. Irma, do you like to travel? And Irma says... Oh, yes, it's really the only way to get any place. <laughs> well, finally it was over and we decided to have our coffee in the living room. 
Well, Jane, that was an excellent dinner. Thank you. Wonderful food. That's nothing unusual. We always have food for dinner. <laughs> oh, Irma, you have a priceless wit. Hasn't she, Jane? She has? Oh, yes, she has. <laughs> You know, Mr. Rylander, I envy Jane working for you. Yes, the investment business can be exciting, but, you know, I wish I had more time for sports. Oh, you do love sports, don't you, Richard? Yes, I don't like to brag or appear stuffy, but at college I won my letter in six different sports. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And weren't you voted the the best-looking man on the campus? Oh, well, Jane, that was only kid stuff. (laughs) But getting back to sports, since going into business with Dad, he sort of kept me hopping. You know how the office is, but, Jane, with you being the capable secretary you are, I... I've been able to find some time for squash and badminton at the athletic club. Oh, well, personally, I love golf. It's such an exciting game, and yet it's so simple. Yes, but you know, tennis has a dash of that same excitement. I I swim, ride horseback, play tennis, bowl, and shoot pool. (laughs) Irma, do you really do all those things? No, but I have to keep up my end of the conversation. More coffee, Richard. No, thank you. I think you're wise. Coffee does keep one awake. Yes, coffee does have that effect on me. How about you, Irma? They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. (laughs) (laughs) Irma, we know you're in the conversation, dear. Just take it easy. Well, okay, I think I'll open the window. No, don't. No, Irma, the window. No. Tonight, isn't it, Richard? <laughs> well, now let's get down to business. When are you two going to get married? Irma! <laughs> oh, Richard, I, I really don't know what to say. Well, I... Irma, really, I, I'm, I'm very fond of Jane, but of course you know there's my father. Your father? Let him get his own girl. <laughs> oh, Irma. Oh, come in. Hiya, folks. Good Surprise! Look, Jane, it's Al. The next sound you hear is Jane Stacy blowing her brains out. <laughs> Al, I'd like you to meet Richard Rhinelander III. Richard, this is my boyfriend, Al. How do you do? Well, hiya, Richard. Heard a lot about you. Richard, wouldn't you care to go to a movie or something? Oh, no sense in breaking up the party. Let's sit around and chew the fat. Richard's not hungry, Al. We just finished dinner. <laughs> well, Rich, what's new on the street? The street? Yeah, you know, the exchange. Oh, well, cotton was a little slow this past week. Uh-huh. Knew it. What about steel? It's a little off. I know it. Richard, you can see for yourself the handwriting's on the wall. Really? You gotta get out of Wall Street. I do? Oh, absolutely. Sure, you could plug along, making a million here and a million there, but have you got security? <laughs> well, Al, I'm pretty satisfied with the investment business, and I think there's a great future in it for me. Granddad was president, and then father became president, and soon I'll be president. You see what I mean, Irma? Yeah, the whole family's in a rut. (laughs) But it's not too late, Rich. There's a place for you in my organization. Richard, let's go to a movie. No, Jane, let him talk. This whole thing may develop into a merger. Merger? You're right, Irma. Richard, I'm going to make a big man out of you. How would you like to team up with me? Well, I... Now listen to me, Richard. Here's the plan. We've a chance to corner the market on surplus ripcords. We'll go out into the open market. Buy short, sell long. Jane, the evening's going just like I planned. The boys are in there getting along beautifully. Beautifully. Richard reaches for his wallet. He'll shake hands with Al. Now, Jane... Now, listen to me, Irma. You've ruined me. I should never have moved in with you. But, Jane... Don't but Jane me. But I thought... I don't care what you thought. You've ruined everything. 
Imagine his coming from his mansion on Park Avenue to this dump. Now to top it off, you're your boyfriend Al is trying to sell him ripcord. But Jane, Al's only trying to fix it so he has security. Irma, I've got news for you. Richard Rhinelander III has five million dollars he hasn't even counted yet. But after he counts it, what then? He'll be in a rut. <laughs> By inviting him to dinner tonight, you've just ruined me. Now, I'm going back in there, apologize, quit my job, and spend the night at the YWCA. But, Jane, are you a member? No, but I'll join. <laughs> Another thing. The next time we meet on the street, I only want you to say one thing. Goodbye. Will General Motors go for it? Richard, their tongues are hanging out for Ripcord. Well, Al, Richard, I really I mean, don't... I mean, Mr. Rhinelander, I... I can't tell you how sorry I am. I... Sorry? About what? Oh, you know, bringing you down here and having you meet people like Al and Irma. Why, Jane, you've I... nothing to be sorry about. I'm delighted to have met two such real people as Al and Irma. And we're delighted to have met a millionaire with money. <laughs> oh, Irma, how could you? Now, now, leave her alone, Jane. That's what I like about Irma now. They're so natural and honest. Oh, Dickie, thank you for that vote of confidence. <laughs> happy for you, Mr. Rhinelander. Now you can have security. You see, Jane... You see, Richard, it... you see, you were so wealthy and you live on Park Avenue and everything, and I thought you were coming here. Well, well, I tried to impress you, and I guess I've just been a fool. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, I'd like to say thank you, Jane, for a splendid evening. I like your apartment, and I think Al and Irma are swell. And now, if you've got time, I want you to drop into the office, and maybe we can go into your ripcord proposition at length. Well, I've got to run along now. Goodbye, Jane, and Please invite me again real soon. Oh, goodbye, Richard. Well, got to run now. Where are you going, honey? Where am I going? Now I got to see where I can get hold of some ripcord. <laughs> oh, that's my friend Al. And that's my friend Irma. <laughs> Friend Irma was written and directed by Cy Howard. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's our Miss Brooks, followed by Escape. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.